Welcome to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. John is the coordinator for the Christian Ecumenical and Missional Society of St. Patrick and St. Aidan, and he's the founder of Hope on the Way Ministries. Now, join Father John and discover hope and relevant answers in following Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. Well, blessed first Sunday of Advent to all of you. We've read from the Gospel, Matthew 24, verses 36 through 39 and 42 through 44. And in verse 44, we read that Jesus said, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect Him. I think this is interesting because in chapter 24, Jesus gives a lot of signs of His final coming. But He says that He's going to come at an hour, at a time, at a season when we don't expect Him. Even besides the signs that He gave of His return. Romans 13, 11-14, I think that's in our best interest to read that again. The Apostle Paul, speaking on the theme of the Advent, the coming of Christ, says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. And finally in verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The title of this message is It is Time We Put on Jesus. And it comes from verse 14 where the Apostle Paul tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This first Sunday of Advent reminds us that human history is on an ever-accelerating path to a climactic and epic event. You know what that is. It's the return of Christ in power and glory. In fact, much time in sacred Scripture in both the Old Testament and the New is taken in the holy pages of Scripture predicting the details of the day of the Lord, of the coming of the Son of Man, the advent and final return of Christ, and also exhorting God's people to be prepared. Again, in Matthew 24, verse 44, Jesus said, So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. A synonym 
For ready is the word prepared. This easily could have been translated from the Greek as be prepared. It's a command that Jesus is giving. If you think of all the resources available to us moderns, or if you wish, postmoderns in the church today that are available online in so many other places, it's a wonder how we wouldn't be prepared for the events at the end of the age and Christ coming in His return. There's been books about it and movies about it. There's online resources. There's Christian books and bookstores and teaching tapes and all the things you could find. But I think if you do a careful survey of the church today, you'll find that many people have not even graduated John 3.16 and John 1.9. And if you can't quote both from memory, you haven't really even graduated kindergarten. I don't believe that the church is ready at this time in the developing in the developed world for the final advent of Christ, but let's put that aside. And I'm going to ask you a question on this first Sunday of Advent. Are we ready and prepared to live for Christ in these times? Again, are you ready to live for Christ in these times? Putting aside the final return of Christ, how about in these times? I think so many people, especially in the United States, are in denial about the times. So many people who are sincere and well-meaning Christians just can't understand that the age of Christendom is over. It is gone. And in my opinion, this is not a prophetic word, but it is my opinion, the age of Christendom will never return to the United States. And of course, Christendom is that time where the institutions of Christianity and the teachings of Christianity prevailed in common culture. But that's no longer the case. And I think many are grieving over that right now, and I think there's a lot of reasons to grieve at the end of Christendom. But, it's over. It's time to move on. It's time to stop the denial about the times we live in. We need to stop saying this. We just have to have a generational revival to save America. Have you heard people say that recently? I've heard that within the, at least the last year several times. People in various places say the equivalent thing. We've got to have a revival to save America. Again, just my opinion is America is beyond saving. It's too late. But what we do need is a generational revival to save the lost in America. That's why we need a generational revival because there's so many lost people in this lost country. And again, not a prophetic word, but I'm just warning you. I'm just warning you because I've gone through the school of hard knocks and somewhat of an observer of history and lived through a lot of history myself is that we are in rough times ahead in the church, in the United States, 
Canada and the UK. When Paul wrote his letter to the Romans, the Roman church was in for tough times. They had no idea the forces of hell that was about to be unleashed upon them with the Neronian persecutions and the successive waves of persecutions thereafter. So in Romans 13.12, Paul echoes the theme of Jesus and he tells the Roman church in light of Christ's coming, don't wait to get prepared, but prepare now. He says in verse 12, the day is almost here. And then he commands in verse 14 that they were to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, do you know what time it is? I can tell you what time it is, and it isn't the time of Christendom that's over. We're in a brand new time that is unknown to our forebears and seems ever ominous and ever dark in the once Christian world. In light of what is coming our way, you must heed the command of Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ. You must put on all of the spirituality and ministry of Jesus. Are you willing and ready to do it right now? If not, my guess is you won't be prepared for what's about ready to come down the pike. As many of you know, I am a charismatic, evangelical, sacramental priest. And that is the character of the chapel service we're here in today. And I was told some time ago that someone who has attended this chapel service in the past invited a former elder of an evangelical church to this chapel service. This evangelical church unfortunately aged, dwindled, and died. And so one of our friends of this chapel service invited this former evangelical elder to come and check out our chapel service. And our friend explained to him what we were doing, that we were evangelical, that we were sacramental, and that we were charismatic. And the former evangelical elder replied, wow, they must be really confused. Brings a smile to my face. Somehow it escaped this former elder's understanding that Christ was charismatic. That Christ was evangelical. That Christ was sacramental and He was not confused. Paul tells the early Roman church, all hell's about ready to break loose. The day of your salvation is becoming more and more near and that they were to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The early church understood who Jesus was and is and was able to put Him completely on as He was and as He is. It's encouraging me 
to me today that many are waking up to interest in the early church. That is the church of the martyrs. Church of the martyrs. If you're listening to me today, and you've ever thought, I wonder what the very earliest church taught and believed. The church that was right after the book of Acts. The church that succeeded the apostles. Because the apostles appointed successors. What did they believe? What did these successors of the apostles believe? I want to encourage you to read a book. And the book I want you to read is not about what the early church believed, but it is a book of writings of the fathers of the early church. The book is called Apostolic Fathers in English. And the Apostolic Fathers were those who were the successors of the apostles. For some of you in the evangelical, Pentecostal, charismatic streams who listen to me, this book will blow your mind when you read Ignatius, when you read Polycarp, these senior pastors, these bishops of the early church. It will blow your mind and open your mind to who they understood themselves to be and who they understood Jesus to be. It's clear from their writings that they were a charismatic, evangelical, sacramental church, just like their Lord. Just like the apostles. These times are going to call for you to put on Christ all of His spirituality and all of His ministry. You won't be able to do without all of it. A little bit of it won't cut it anymore. And you need to understand that to put on the spirituality of Christ, you must be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. Some years ago, there was an incipient movement among young church leaders in the United States that was labeled the Emerging Church Movement and the Ancient Future Church Movement. And, and there was some candle lighting and let's go ahead and darken the... Uh, the sanctuary and light some candles and put up some crosses and signs and symbols. But by and large, folks, and I don't say this with satisfaction or gratification, this emerging church movement lacked the dynamic infilling of the Holy Spirit. They lacked the charismatic dimension of the Gospel. Jesus was fully charismatic. Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit in power. Jesus received baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism, power from on high. The charismatic expression of the Gospel, the charismatic dimension of the Gospel, about 20 years ago, it was cool. People were interested in the church. It was considered kind of cool. That was 20 years ago. Today, not so much. Some of you listening to me want nothing to do with the charismatic dimension of the Gospel. 
because it's not cool. This isn't cool. You don't think it's cool. You don't think it's attractional. And you know what? You're probably right. Then there's some of you who want nothing to do with the Spirit-filled, charismatic dimension of the Gospel because you don't want the drama in your church. And I get it. I get it. It's a dangerous thing to rock the institution. And there may be some of you, church leaders, even pastors listening to me, and I know that you have a lot at stake. You might have a mortgage on your church building to pay. You've got staff who rely on you. You've got to pay their salaries so they can take care of their families. The last thing that you need is division and commotion in your church. I get it, there's a lot at stake. But let me ask you this, in the end, in the end, shouldn't your church look like His body, not yours? Let me say that again, less emphatically. Shouldn't the body of Christ look like Him? Charismatic? Evangelical? Sacramental? And I know a lot of you have seen really bad models of charismatic ministry on TV. But let me enlighten you a little bit. When you bring all the streams of the Holy Spirit spirituality and ministry that were flowing in the life of Jesus together, when you bring the evangelical, when you bring the charismatic, when you bring the sacramental, when you bring the contemplative, when you bring the justice, when you bring the holiness together, wow, there's balance. And there is no confusion. When you just do one or two of the streams, that's when there's confusion. Look at Mark 1. Those of you who are kind of, I don't know about this. Father John, I don't know about this stuff you're saying. Read Mark chapter 1. Jesus is baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in Jesus. Of course, the Holy Spirit was with Jesus. But at His baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus for power, for ministry. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Then, He shows up at the synagogue at Capernaum on Saturday, drives out an evil spirit out of a man, moves on to Peter's house, heals a bunch of people there throughout the night. Everybody goes to bed for a few hours sleep. And when the folks get up in the morning, they're just stoked. The disciples are stoked. And they're thinking, we're going to keep doing this in Capernaum. Capernaum is going to be Jesus' revival center on Lake Galilee. But when they go to find Jesus, Jesus isn't in His bed. So they look for Jesus, and where do they find Him? They find Him in a lonely or a solitary place. What's He doing there? Oh, He's dialing down. He's tuning in to the still, quiet voice of the Father. 
And they say, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Let's go back and do it again. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, we're moving on. The disciples must have thought he was crazy. But no. Jesus was not only a charismatic miracle worker, he was a contemplative prayer warrior. Listen to the Father. Get in that direction. When you bring the streams together of Jesus' ministry and Holy Spirit spirituality, then kingdom revival is going to break out as it did in the early church. If you don't want the Spirit-filled, the charismatic dimension of the Gospel in your church, then I think I can safely say to you, you don't want generational revival. I don't want that drama here. It's not attractional. Causes drama. People are going to get upset. Yeah, I get it. There's a lot at stake. I know there is. I don't don't dismiss that. People's livelihoods derived from salaries and ministry. I know that. I've been there. There's a lot at stake. But if you don't want generational revival in your church characterized by manifestations of the Holy Spirit's power and gifts, welcome to good company because either did the old lights of the first great awakening in the United States. George Whitfield, the revival preacher, of the first great awakening preached in fields because he was not allowed to preach in churches. That's why he began to preach in fields. I ain't coming here. No Whitfield here. No Wesley here. And I don't say this in condemnation, but if you don't want Holy Spirit revival in your church, Either did the Pharisees of Jesus' day. It wasn't the only point of contention, but one of the main points of contention was the charismatic ministry of Jesus. What did the Pharisees say about it? It's by the power of demons that He does it. They didn't like it because the Kingdom of God was breaking out and exposing them for the frauds and the hypocrites and the false teachers that they were. Again, this isn't prophetic. It's not a thus saith the Lord, but wake up. you got to wake up. With what's coming down the pike, you are going to need to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. You're going to need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not some theological construct and doctrine, but an actual experience of receiving power from on high for ministry. And you're going to have to bring it together with the rest of the ministry of Jesus. At the onset of the American Revolution, Ben Franklin said wryly, we must indeed all hang together or most assuredly, we will all hang separately. How is post-Christendom, post-pandemic 
world, post-industrial world. How will the new order play out? Deep down, I think you know. Don't you? You know where this is heading, don't you? Deep down in your denial, you know where this is going to head. And we as Christ church had better hang together. And we had better learn from each other to be the evangelical, contemplative, charismatic, holiness, justice, sacramental church that Jesus and the apostles founded over 2,000 years ago. The church of the martyrs. In light of the times we live in now, it's time this first Sunday of Advent to take the Lord Jesus Christ and Paul's commands seriously. Seriously. No, seriously. It's time to put on Jesus. Verse 44, Matthew 44, because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect Him. And my prayer is, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen and blessed Advent. You've been listening to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. We invite you to subscribe or follow this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. To find out more about Hope on the Way Ministries and Father John, check out our website at hopeontheway.info. That's hopeontheway.info. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the companionship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Amen.